Hi, I'm Tafira Jemian. Welcome to Yeah, where we talk about YA Lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. So this week, Hannah Bailey, my co-host, is still in Europe and not with us. Um, I'm joined in studio today by Candace Pye, who is uh, the host of a new podcast starting on the network called Gal Chat. Um, Candace agreed to come in and chat a little bit about why I lit and what it means to her. Uh, so Candace, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Tepper. I'm super excited to be here. I've listened to, yeah, like all of the episodes that you have up so far, and I'm just like such a fangirl. So I feel like I'm sitting with like a mini celebrity right now. <laughs> well, same. <laughs> yeah. um, do you want to tell us a little bit about Gal Chat? Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm super stoked about it. We don't have an official launch date yet, but it's probably going to come out sometime in August or late August, probably. And it's basically going to be a show where um, some guests and I talk about our feminist takes on anything from sex and dating to politics and pop culture and just sort of sharing our personal stories um, with regards to those things. (laughs) Cool. That sounds really, really great. Um, Yeah, I'm super excited about it. Yeah. Um, So usually what I find with our listeners uh, is that there are like a couple different kinds of YA readers. There's like the people who are like me, where like as a teenager you were completely absorbed by the library constantly. We also have a lot of listeners who read YA lit like as adults and maybe didn't quite as much as teenagers. I'm just curious, like, what kind of YA reader are you? Well, I have to say that I'm not super up to date with like current YA. Like, mm-hmm. I think I sort of just like fell off that boat a while ago. Not because of like not by choice but just because I don't know I don't read as much as I did anyways in general which I think everyone sort of struggles with that sometimes um but I definitely was a huge reader when I was younger Mm -hmm. when I was in like the fifth and sixth grade basically all I did was (laughs) read because one didn't have a lot of friends so what else are you gonna do so you take a book at (laughs) recess and you're like oh well this is my excuse I'm just gonna go sit and read yeah exactly (laughs) so yeah I mean 11 12 year old Candace was like this really dorky awkward um pubescent (laughs) weird 12 year old (laughs) who just like didn't really know how to handle her body or herself Mm -hmm. and I think that's something that's like super relatable in YA books generally absolutely um Yeah, like, just thinking of some of my favorites, it's, like, yeah, usually the main character is someone who's super, like, uh, not unsocial, but, like, awkwardly trying to maneuver their way through social situations and just, Mm -hmm. like, trying to figure out how to handle themselves. So I definitely related to that when I was young and obviously, like, sometimes still relate. So it's really nice to go back and, like, you know, look through your favorites. I think one of the things I really enjoyed going back to Wyatt is realizing that pretty much every protagonist has that like appeal of feeling like they don't fit or like don't belong or some somehow are awkward um but when you go back and read them you realize that there are so many different kinds of protagonists who feel that way like when we were reading just listen a few episodes ago it's like the blonde model who feels that way but you can also have like 
uh, Carmen from Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, who like I have related to so much because of like the issues with finding pants that fit. Oh, totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was listening to that episode you guys recorded, and I was like, oh man, that is so relatable. Like, I'm also half Lebanese, so mm-hmm. I'm just oh man. Growing up, it's like you start getting so hairy just everywhere. <laughs> you're like, oh no, because that happens just generally to twelve year olds. But when mm-hmm. you're like a half Lebanese twelve year old you're like pudgy and hairy and you're just like help me challenge <laughs> yeah it's not the best <laughs> and hair removal is hard like even oh, yeah. for adults hair removal is oh, hard yeah like I remember yeah. just like awkwardly having to be like mom I want to shave my legs and her being like you're 12 <laughs> like no um but it's just like that's all you want at that yeah. age you're like I just want to fit in yeah yeah oh god my my mom didn't shave anything because my parents were hippies and um that's really cool though actually like I feel like that's just like super liberating <laughs> to just be like, oh, I don't have to do anything. Well, it's it's liberating until you're 11 or 12. Yeah. And I, I didn't get the hairiness from my Armenian side. I, I oh inherited my, God, my you're mom's. So lucky. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I didn't know that women shaved their armpits mm. for the most part. And that uh, got a little embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine that would have <laughs> yeah. been pretty rough. Like, I remember going to gym class and like wearing shorts and just seeing like the little blonde, like white girls and being like, oh, I that I should probably do that. <laughs> like, I should probably <laughs> fix this situation. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Puberty is tough. It's rough. But that's where yeah. the books come in to be able to like really. Um, you know be your friend and be like oh thank god I'm not alone in this so and sometimes I feel like puberty really never ends you just go through like endless stages of new puberties oh yeah it's just like you're constantly trying to figure yourself out and I I think that's why I still like when I do go back to the YA books it's really fun to be able like to be like oh yeah uh yeah this is still relevant yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) we're just constantly coming of age Mm -hmm. yeah totally um so do you want to talk a little bit about some of the like specific books that are important to you yeah sure I mean when I think about like books that have influenced my life or at least like influenced me when I was a kid the number one book is probably just Harry Potter but I feel like that's a really basic answer because I feel like most people read Harry Potter and were Mm -hmm. like yep this is for me (laughs) um but like I just I don't know I think like it's one of those books that really um ages well in the sense Mm -hmm. of like it's still relevant to you no matter how old you are Mm -hmm. like when I I started reading Harry Potter I mean like I started reading really young but like I had Harry Potter read to me at the ages of like five and six or whatever and was able to be like whoa like witches and wizards that's so cool and then as you're hitting puberty to really relate to like the the friendship struggles Mm -hmm. and the family struggles and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and then even as adult as an adult you go back and you read it and you're like oh my god like you're starting to relate to the topics of life and death and like all the way deeper you know um stuff that's packed in there so that's like definitely number one Mm -hmm. um but I think um the the book series that I read when I was like an 11 12 year old awkward like fishnet glove wearing 12 year old was for sure Twilight like I think most young teen girls definitely had a twilight phase Mm -hmm. did you (laughs) so i wish hannah was here because i know hannah had a really intense twilight phase i am i think just enough older that i you missed i kind of missed it i read them um but i think i was 17 okay so i'm this is really interesting actually because i'm so curious to know like what it was like diving into that book when you were like 17 and actually had like a basis to jump off of be like oh this is how life works like you know what I mean yeah um 
You know, I actually really enjoyed them, especially the first couple. Um, my main issue, I remember feeling kind of disappointed mm. because for a while I thought that Stephanie Meyer was setting up um, uh, uh, was setting up Bella to realize that even if she loved Edward, he was really unhealthy and that Jacob was a like a healthy partner. Right. And I was really excited that there was like a YA series that was going to do that. I thought that was really cool. I, I'm hashtag team Jacob completely. <laughs> Um, and I think sort of until it became clear that that was not going to happen, I was invested. And then as soon as it became clear that that was not going to happen, I was just like, oh, you're like, oh, why am I still reading? But I did read the whole series. Okay. Yeah. Including that last book. Yeah, that last book. uh, I kind of just hope, I I wish I could like go back in time and like unread it. It's like one of those books where I'm like, I really could have done without that. Like, I really could have just not. I mean, just like let's build up and build up and build up this giant final conflict that's going to decide everything and you know what actually you know let's just talk it out yeah really like it's (laughs) (laughs) it's rough i mean first of all like that last book can i just go ahead and spoil things Mm. on this podcast by the way we spoil things on this podcast okay so spoiler alert just putting that out there um the fourth book bella is pregnant will gets pregnant and she there's this whole weird abortion conversation that comes into play where Bella is basically like the most pro-life person that's ever happened just like she despite what everyone in her family is telling her that like it's unhealthy and she's gonna die and like she really needs to get rid of this vampire fetus that is like destroying her body literally killing like, literally her. gonna literally kill, like she will her. die like it's going yeah. to break her spine and like you know like just completely rupture her pelvis but like it's fine Bella's just like you know trudging forward being like yep i want to keep this baby which like Mm -hmm. yep she has the choice like that's what being pro-choice is all about Mm -hmm. go ahead but it's also like hey stephanie meyer why'd you have to make this character like so adamantly pro-life like are we supposed to relate to that i wasn't really like i felt myself reading that even as like a young girl who like didn't really grasp the concept of abortion was Mm -hmm. like hey why don't you just like listen to edward and all of his family members like you gonna die girl well and it's weird in the books too because the sense it's been a long time since i read it but the sense i got was that it was like not even necessarily bella it was like some deep instinct that kicked in when she got pregnant and right like some motherly thing yeah that, just like that was like over and i was deeper like, than her what? beliefs and and it's just like i don't know i've been pregnant twice now right it doesn't really radically change your belief system i can only imagine that no that's not <laughs> like, the case like i yeah. didn't really get it i was kind of just that that really threw me off i thought that was like really bizarre and like i said like i was 11 or 12 when i read these books so that's i was kind of just like it was a lot but i was also just like i don't understand just don't die <laughs> like i just didn't get it yeah absolutely yeah the last book is weird it's weird um tom and i actually uh um my partner tom we watched all the twilight movies earlier this oh, year I and live tweeted saw a bunch of tom's live tweets and yeah. i was like yes yes yeah. yes <laughs> <laughs> but it was so delightful because he hadn't experienced them at all oh man and he was he was invested reading them too wow yeah he was invested mm. and uh and then the last movie he was just so pissed yeah i relate yeah <laughs> I and i was pissed <laughs> i went back to that place of mm-hmm. reading that book i read them i was on a camping trip with my family i was on this camping trip that 
God was such a disaster. Um, we had gone out there, like half of us had gone out there in a canoe and then there was a thunderstorm. So we ended up not getting all our sleeping bags until the next day. It was really complicated, but I hadn't brought any books and my 11 year old niece had brought the whole Twilight series. Perfect. <laughs> and she was like one book ahead. So I just, I read them cause I had nothing else to read. Um, but yeah, I remember getting to the end of the last book and just being like, Ugh. Just like, no, no, why did you do this to me, Stephanie Meyer? Why did you end it this, this way? It could have been satisfying. Yeah. And then, I mean, we don't even have to talk about the whole Jacob Renesme thing. Oh, man, just, that's just like straight up, that's a child. Like, you're, mm-hmm. you're just imprinting or whatever they called it on a literal infant. So. And, and it's like, it was such a cop-out it as really a writer. Was, yeah. It was just like, oh, he doesn't care about Bella anymore because he's obsessed with her baby like her like I thought I I thought I knew what love was and then I saw this literal infant yeah and And now I am like yes I will wait 20 years the concept of imprinting in general is just like so basic and like such cop out like you were saying like it's just like oh you don't have to explain why this relationship is a thing you just have to be like it is (laughs) it just is and you're like oh (laughs) I guess I'm okay with this like how are you supposed to even respond to that as a reader I was kind of just like I guess it I felt, guess it felt like Stephanie Meyer did not want to write another Twilight book. <laughs> like, I think to me, that's true. what that book felt like. Yeah, she's like, I don't know what's gonna happen to this relationship, but I don't have to explain it because yeah. it's done now. I'm so. going to sell a shit ton yeah. of these. They are going to get made into a movie. Yeah. Robert Pattinson is gonna say snarky things about it. Yeah. Like she, she was kind of like, this is the book where Bella and Edward finally have sex. So that's the only thing that really matters for the readers, and then everything else I can just sort of like shove under the rug because they're not gonna pay attention. And can can we talk for a minute about the like yeah. the first sex scene where she wakes up with no memories covered in bruises? Yeah. Okay. Well, this <laughs> takes me back to like book one. Let's just start at the beginning because before you were saying like you're team Jacob and I was like, ooh, that's funny because like now I'm safely team no one. Just like looking back, I'm like, wow, yeah. both of those relationships were like really don't, fucking don't, toxic. Don't, don't ruin Taylor Lautner for me. I know. I know. Like he's beautiful and I love him. But like that's fine. Like he's not Jacob. Jacob is a whole other like that's right. just oh. I couldn't, but at the time, like as an 11 year old, obviously reading it was a different experience than like going mm-hmm. back and reading it now. Like I just, I mean, when you're 12, you're just like, oh my God, this is like every girl's fantasy. Like right. this is just like, oh, like a, some dark brooding, mysterious man is interested in me, the undesirable, antisocial, awkward, pale girl. Like I related, like as I was saying before, yeah. like I so related <laughs> to Bella, like she, she's just this really awkward both physically and mentally character who like doesn't really know why anyone is attracted to her and that's a thing in stephanie meyer's writing too where like every male character is just for some reason desire like desires bella more than anything like bella it's because she smells really good there's that with edward but then there's also like jacob's weird like creepy obsession with her and then there's also every other man she goes to school with Mm -hmm. like she straight up like starts it at a new school and like all the boys are just like oh my god did you see bella like holy holy shit did you see bella and i'm like why is she this like sexual object all of a sudden like she's bizarre yeah but yeah like going back to like the edward and bella relationship i was like so for that i was like team edward like the idea that true love is like beyond anything else and that like nothing matters as long as you have your soulmate was like Mm -hmm. so appealing to me as a 12 year old because i was like wow like once i find that person like 
family doesn't matter and friends don't matter and my problems don't matter because I have Edward and he's going to take care of me. Yeah. Like, that's kind of what my perspective was at the time. Yeah. Which I think is, like, really bad looking back on that. I think it probably shaped the way I looked at relationships for mm-hmm. a long time just because I was like, oh, well, this is how it works. Like, that's your person and, like, that's all that matters. And mm-hmm. I think in their relationship specifically, it was a really, like, codependent weird vibe um so I don't know I guess like that just sort of shaped things for me a little bit I think that was influential and not the best way um but yeah like it's definitely he's definitely weird like he's super controlling he basically stalks her and like sleeps well doesn't sleep but like watches her sleep Mm -hmm. um doesn't want her to talk to like Jacob ever I think at one point correct me if I'm wrong but I'm pretty sure he like ruins Bella's car so that she can't go to see see Jacob like what like this is literally like everything there's also this one scene where I I think it's in both the book and the movie in the movie it's like especially bad where they're like finally having their first like hot makeout session Mm -hmm. and Bella's like yes like I'm so into this and then all of a sudden Edward like flings himself off of her and it's like no or stop or something like that and basically goes like Bella we can't do that because like I can't control myself from literally eating you like she, yeah. He basically blames her for provoking him to be violent yeah. towards her. And, like, that's literally rape culture and victim blaming if I've ever heard it. So this whole relationship is just very abusive yeah. and toxic. No. When I was revisiting it, like, watching the movies, uh, one of the things I've been, like, researching a lot over the last year, just, like, personally with my therapist, whatever, is um, narcissistic abuse and, like, mm. emotional abuse. And, like... Edward is a textbook emotional oh, yeah. abuser. Like, just all of the, like, the, like, I'm a monster, you shouldn't be with me, but I'm not going to set that boundary. You have to set that boundary because I can't control myself because totally. you're really sexy. It's just, like... Totally. And also the whole, like, oh, no one can protect you like I can, so mm-hmm. you can only be with me, but also you shouldn't be with me. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, um... Also, he's 100 years old. Also, yeah, he's, like, literally so... I, it's just so inappropriate. I don't understand. <laughs> like, I, I just... just <laughs> I just feel like if I was a 100-year-old vampire, I would not want to date a 17-year-old. No. And yeah. especially not Bella. Like, no offense to Stephanie Meyer <laughs> or to Bella. Like, but sorry, Bella's like the most fucking boring person that I've ever read about mm-hmm. in my life. She doesn't do anything. She doesn't have interest outside yeah. of her boyfriend or of like what, like researching vampires. Like, she literally does nothing else. Yeah. And I, it's just like, wow, Stephanie, you literally couldn't have written a less appealing, like, like mm-hmm. not appealing in like a like an attractive way, but just like the most flat anti-feminist female protagonist you could possibly have well i think stephanie meyer is mormon maybe oh she's she's one of the conservative christianities or she was writing twilight i guess that Um, explains some of like the conservative ideas but i'm also like that's not an excuse no it's not an excuse (laughs) but it explains a lot of the purity culture stuff a lot of the like Edward has to be with her because she's sexually irresistible, which is what that is. Right. The smell thing. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Like and ugh. and like Edward can't resist her or restrain her himself with her. Um, the like saving sex till marriage thing. Yeah. The like the minute you have sex, you will get pregnant, even if your boyfriend is a sterile vampire. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just like <laughs> I remember being like twelve and like starting to like take sex ed in school and being like how the hell do vampire boners work like that doesn't seem thank you like possible thank or you plausible in any way my I don't get it. Th- my theory is that the blood they drink 
fuels just the rushes boners. down there. Yeah, so like they don't That's they don't produce their own blood, but when they drink blood, it like <laughs> does all the blood things. Right. That's right. the best theory I have. But it's yeah. still impossible, it's still impossible. To, for, for a vampire to have viable sperm yeah, because his body temperature is too dead. low. He's dead. Yeah. Also, he's dead. Also, he's dead. Well, um, <laughs> thank you. Thank no, you for no. listening to the Cat Podcast. <laughs> Vampire, Vampire sex boners. with Candace Pye. I love how Teffer was like, yeah, like I'm going to have Candace on. It's going to be really great. It's not going to, it's definitely not going to spiral into Vampire Boners. It's going to be fine. So, like, I probably talk about vampire boners every time I talk about Twilight. <laughs> okay, good. Because it is something that also bothers me. Oh, thank God. I'm not alone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so was there anything more you wanted to... Yeah, I mean, besides, like, Bella and Edward's yeah. disgusting, horrible, toxic relationship that definitely influenced me in negative ways, <laughs> um, there was also the whole Jacob thing, which I'm not going to focus on a lot, but, like, it was definitely a weird, like, oh, Bella's friend-zoning me, like, kind of yep. shitty vibe from him super possessive also he like forced himself onto her like several different times like he was just mm-hmm. like come and kiss me even though i know you super don't want this and she would literally push him off and be like jacob no <laughs> please i'm in a relationship or whatever and like and then he'll just be like what you don't like me enough to kiss me even though you yeah, like your like, boyfriend enough aren't to I, kiss like, him the, your freaking best friend Bella like don't i mean something to you and it's like oh, wow that's not manipulative <laughs> at all thanks jacob also like i don't I, I, maybe maybe this is a like prudish sheltered thing about me i don't make out with all my best friends no no i mean usually and if it, even if you do it's like hey if a girl doesn't want to make out with you like don't like just don't force it like she doesn't want you girl like just leave wait, her alone wait candace do you mean that no means no oh candace? oh my god you know that's a really catchy phrase people should <laughs> use that <laughs> oh my god yeah no like it's just bad it's just really not good also just on the jacob subject like the racially charged stuff well not racially let's not say racially charged let's say racist stuff in twilight is kind of rough i i think the tribe is called quileute or i don't forgive me if i'm pronouncing it wrong but it's a real tribe in real life i did some research she didn't just make it up no so i i totally like pulled up my wikipedia and was like girl i got you like i'm going on the yeah podcast i need to know it's a real tribe mm-hmm. in washington mm-hmm. la push and forks and all that stuff is all real it's a real place there's a reserve there um it's called the quileute reserve or something like that but they usually are located in la push and they actually, uh, I think from what I read, uh, believe that they were descended from wolves. So, like, it's not total bullshit, like, that she just pulled out of her ass. Like, there is some folklore there that is accurate. Um, they don't shapeshift. They don't believe that they can become werewolves. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing. Jacob's a fucking werewolf, which is, like, wow. She only actually becomes slightly into Jacob the moment she finds out that he's, like, dangerous for her, which is, like, also yeah. a problem. But yeah so it's a real tribe and in terms of race like woo, this series man i don't know where to start it's like first of all this author's obsession with white skin is a lot for me to handle like i feel like in the movies it's not as bad like obviously he sparkles and there's all that shit but in the books like the fucking words she uses to describe the white skin is like his beautiful light sparkling like alabaster porcelain like all these like luxurious words just like basically obsessed with like how beautiful and godlike it's just godlike light and god and that's all it is 
and then Jacob, I mean, for God's sake, his last name is Black, okay? Like, he's just, like, described as this, like, dark, like, all of the wolves, quote-unquote, are, like, described as these, like, dark, dark skin, dark hair, dark eyes, like, just generally, like, complete contrast from the Cullens. Mm-hmm. And that transfers into their personality traits as well, because you have, like, the Cullens who are, like, oh, these poised, reserved, they're vegetarians, they're self-controlled, you know what I mean? And then you have the wolves that are, like, these impulsive, aggressive, just crazy, and it's, like, hey, guys, like, that's kind of fucking racist, <laughs> like, yeah. like, just with the whole rhetoric now, especially, like, I, I was just listening to your episode on, um, the hate you give, mm-hmm. and you guys were talking about, like, the, the angry, like, black woman stereotype, like, mm-hmm that's literally what they're doing there like they're literally being like oh they're aggressive like that's just because they're that's their they literally turn into animals it's like wow that's real subtle imagery there Steph yeah even like the hot (laughs) and cold thing with like the Cullens being cold all the time and like Edward and the other shapeshifters like run hotter like hot-blooded hot-headed impulsive yeah where is this going like I don't know like obviously as an 11 year old I wasn't like this is racist like I didn't have the like knowledge to be able to come to that conclusions probably because I was like in a very privileged state like did not have to deal with that at a young age but like now like obviously I know that that's a thing and just going back and being like whoa that's kind of rough that's pretty rough yeah oh yeah if if she is actually mormon i wish i remembered that but then i would love to hear somebody who actually knows about mormons and they're like lots of racist things about uh indigenous yeah. people yeah and see I, like I, a I comparison really like that. there i would really love that and like to be yeah. fair i do know some mormons <laughs> who are like the nicest like least racist people ever but like there's definitely some rhetoric in there that's like the only mormons i know are ex-mormons yeah <laughs> like, exactly yeah. so um yeah no but like there's this one like wolf wolf in the tribe named leah she's like the only girl wolf and she's like super cool but like her whole character trait is just that she's angry like that's her whole thing is just like oh that's leah like she's just always angry and she'll snap at you and blah blah, blah. and it's like oh guys the only like woman of color that's like a prominent character uh-huh. is like depicted in that way really that's what you chose. can we talk about the fact that she's also like a woman of color who is coded with traditionally male attributes and there can yeah. be a queer reading there oh yeah so that goes with that's another the thing angry like the queer like there first yeah. of all there's not a single queer character in the, no. in the series as far as i know I, I really was rooting for Alice to be gay, and it just didn't happen. I mean, I think so. we can all agree that Alice, Alice is, is gay. gay but <laughs> Okay, so Alice is gay, um, but I, like, obviously it's not stated, but, like, everyone knows Alice is gay, um, and that's fine. But I wish someone had would be, like, actually gay in the book. That would, that would be nice. But, yeah, like, being the only woman wolf in your, like, that's your thing is kind of bad. And also, like, there's another woman in the tribe named Emily who is like dating like the head honcho like werewolf or whatever but like he imprinted on her and also like scratched the living shit out of her face like I don't know if you remember it's in the film like her face is literally like gouged with like wolf claw and it's like oh I love how the two women are like the angry woman of color stereotype and like abused woman (laughs) like and and one of the things they talk about Emily's scars they're like oh don't talk too much about them because it makes us Sam feel really bad and it's like oh what because he feels so bad for losing control and hurting her 
Yeah, it's just like, well, you know, maybe he should feel fucking bad. And then we go back to the imprinting thing where it's like, but mm. she can't leave him. They're imprinted. No, they're. it's meant to be. It's faked. <laughs> so as you can tell, <laughs> there's a lot of things to this book that I could have done without. As Okay, as much as this book is problematic, the series is very problematic, I do want to say that I enjoyed it very much. Like, as, as a kid... I was obsessed with this shit. Like, I know you were 17, so it's a bit different. But, like, as a 12-year-old, I had, like, Twilight shirts, Twilight bags, Twilight fucking action figure Barbie doll. Like, it was... I was in deep, okay? I went to the premieres of all the movies. I was in. And I think it's really because it provided this, like, escape. Like, and this almost like a hope that like oh like i'm gonna find that like love it's like a fantasy like i mean that's what like Mm -hmm. most romance novels especially Mm -hmm. like ya romance novels Mm -hmm. are like that like they just provide you with that like oh that's gonna be me one day and allows you like fantasize yourself in that position Mm -hmm. um so i think like at the time it was really great Mm -hmm. and like i think that people often mock it just based on like oh well it's that shitty teen girl book which Mm -hmm. i think is a really unfair way to criticize it absolutely like, I think if you're going to criticize Twilight, you have to do what we just did now, talking about, like, well, minus maybe, like, the vampire boner part, but, like, just talking about... Always. Always, always the, the vampire, vampire boner No, but just talking about, like, you know, like, the actual, like, race issues and queer issues and yeah. feminist issues just, like, generally in the book. Like, that's a fair way to criticize something, and I think just throwing something under the bus being like, oh, that's, like, the cheesy, crappy teen girl book that all the girls are obsessed with Edward Cullen and he shines mm-hmm. and ha ha ha. Like, I think that's sort of not fair to teen girls because i mean like that's just sort of belittling like their interests and like as someone who was there like i was in deep and i totally got made fun of for that and like i don't think that's a fair way to judge something you don't get to criticize something by saying oh that was written for a female audience exactly that's not a a young female audience yeah exactly that's that's not a criticism no it's not it's really not (laughs) and i'm not saying it's a great series i'm just or or if it's i'm not i'm also not saying it's well written because oh shit it's it's pretty bad it's not great but i'm just saying (laughs) if you're going to criticize it criticize it in a way that's fair and not just being like oh it's for girls because yeah. <laughs> that's like a really that's a cop-out yeah no oh god yeah misogyny is like sorry i just i just start, i started saying something and then i was just like ugh misogyny oh yeah um, so <laughs> like much criticism <laughs> of ya literature especially mm. YA like people will talk about ender's game and be like oh yeah that's a great canon novel blah 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 People don't talk about Judy Bloom as like right great canon. Why? Because it's written for girls. It's for like, because it's about periods and right, bras right, and-, and and like, uh, I get so annoyed with that. Like, this idea that like books that are written for women and for girls because you see it in adult lit too like the whole chick lit category is based on the idea that women cannot write books for a broad audience totally and also like i think a lot of chick lit also this is a whole other issue but like focuses (laughs) on like romantic plot lines which i think a lot of boys are sort of like ew i don't want to read that which is like problematic in and of itself because they're taught to because they're taught that's girly we don't like that that's you know not masculine and girls are taught like oh but like you need a boyfriend that's just the way to do things so um yeah no I totally agree with you I think that's super accurate yeah and like on the topic of Judy Bloom, I was also a huge Judy Bloom fan when I was young like and I mean young like I think at age like seven eight I was reading those like just crushing them (laughs) just one after another and 
um one of them in particular i think are you there god is me margaret that mm-hmm. was written by judy bloom and that's a good one <laughs> i i love that one because it's basically about this girl who is super uncomfortable <laughs> in her body I, you see the theme here right <laughs> uh definitely was uncomfortable in my body as a kid but yeah uh she's super uncomfortable she's like discovering like bras and her period and um, shaving and deodorant mm-hmm. and all this stuff while also trying to like figure out her faith which I thought was like a really interesting plot line that I didn't see in a lot of like other books and like she basically doesn't have like a set faith in the mm-hmm. book but she's sort of like torn like am I Christian uh, should I be Jewish I, I don't really know um and you, you see her like develop this relationship with God through her like private prayer mm-hmm. um and I thought that was so interesting because it really showed like you don't have to like go to church every Sunday and like read the Bible to like be a spiritual person or have faith. It's just like a really personal individual thing. And like, I'm not like a super religious person myself, but like, I just thought like as a kid, like I went to church for like the first 12 years of my life or something like that. So, and I never really like connected with it in like a big, big way, but I was also like, I don't know if it's fair to completely be like I, I'm agnostic or completely atheist. I don't believe a single thing because I think like as a twelve year old especially, like you want to believe mm-hmm. in something. Absolutely. Um. So I think like having that book to be like, oh, I can just like pray about like my. I really, dear God, I really want my boobs to grow. <laughs> like you know what I mean? <laughs> like I think like that was just really nice to see that like faith is a really personal thing and like yeah. it doesn't have to be this like really heavy formal thing. It can be light and fun. So. Yeah, I remember reading uh, it. I read it later than I think a lot of people. I read it maybe when I was like 14 or 15. Um, but for me, I grew up uh, in a very religious home, in a very religious community, like conservative, um, Protestant. And uh, I remember feeling like this sort of guilty glee at like reading a book with a female protagonist who did like question because right. I was questioning and like praying but it was all very private Mm -hmm. um but that's like so similar to her and I remember just feeling like oh like this this happens this is like maybe everybody isn't certain yeah like you don't feel like such a bad guy you're not like oh no like I don't want my pastor to hear this you're just like oh wow like everyone has this like questioning that goes on and like that's super normal and like valid so And I was praying for my boobs to grow. I mean, same. I was, like, doing, like, I saw this one scene. I think it's in Greece where, like, one of the characters, like, holds her hands, like, above her head and, like, does these, like, muscle (laughs) things (laughs) with, like, her chest to try to, like, grow her boobs. I'm like, wow, me. Like, when I was 10, 9 years old, I was like, please grow. Please. That's all I want. Oh, yeah. I stuffed my bra daily for a little while. Mm. Um, Were you, like, a socks or toilet paper girl? I tried both. Okay. I read in a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a book um uh oh now i can't remember the author of the books and i wish i could because that the like um sam and anastasia books mm, no don't it's a series about a brother and sister but she said the best things to stuff your bra with her pantyhose oh that's so smart uh because it's smooth so i had that um damn i wish i knew <laughs> i wish i knew about that. yeah because kleenex <laughs> gets lumpy true and yeah. socks can I, be too socks like, were like way too much i was like well you do not have d-sized boobs at the age yeah. of nine <laughs> that's not a thing 
<laughs> so and then my boobs grew mm. over the summer between sixth and seventh grade Great. to like what they are now yeah so so they grew from i went from a 32a to a 34 double d in a summer and i remember going that's... back to school as a seventh grader with an enormous rack and just like and then that in high school that's sort of what defines you they're like everybody oh that's comments the on huge it. tits and you're everybody like everybody cool. comments on it yeah, yeah. I, had, I had a really close friend in high school um and she had like huge boobs like just that's and it was a very like early thing too mm-hmm. like the age of 14 d's double d's yeah. even and that's all boys would talk about like oh your boobs are showing oh you know your cleavage i can see your bra through your shirt and i was just like hey guys like can we talk about literally anything yeah. else this is a person who has lots to give to the world <laughs> why are we only talking about her freaking boobs yeah yeah I think I got rescued from that a little bit because I was at a Christian school and there was like a real like no no tolerance policy right. for like talking about people having bodies um well, that's also super not healthy in a different way yeah. but okay <laughs> but then like but I remember right. the point at which it came to my attention that guys talked about it when I wasn't there right. and I was just like well great and then like bound my chest for a few years yeah and I I yeah. went I went to a uniformed high school also yeah, so it's like that's just a whole other layer of like oh attention to my body because like you have teachers who are going your shorts your shirt um your skirt's too short yeah. your your you know button up your shirt more your or like your socks are not at the right length yeah, it's like come on yeah. people like and it, to just be like objectified in that way by teachers too it's mm-hmm. like oh, like even male teachers you're like oh no like please don't talk yeah. about my skirt length yeah <laughs> or like my sh- no my skirt is not hemmed to be shorter in the back I have a butt yeah like <laughs> I have hips. And an ass so (laughs) this is gonna happen so please leave me alone yeah I remember that I remember that struggle Mm -hmm. and changing out of my skirt to go home because if I wore my like schoolgirl skirt I would get groped on the metro and like yeah yeah. 100% I mean like I had to take the train home from school and like I would just get on and like all the businessmen were like hello and I was like oh I I don't love that that's great and just like all the construction people and you're like please no (laughs) like I'm literally you you know I'm in high school yeah. I'm wearing a uniform, so you know I'm not of age. Yeah. That's yeah. just the worst. I do not miss high school. No. Does yeah. anyone? I miss some of my friends, but I don't miss high school. I feel like the only people who miss high school are, like, really sad people now. Yeah. Like, it's just like, oh, you you peaked, <laughs> and that's it. Now you're done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so generally just, like, body issues, like, that also ties me into I think the last book I'm going to talk about because we're running out of time but uh, one series that like definitely talks about like conforming to beauty standards and body modification and stuff like that was the ugly series which yeah. I know you loved because you love told it. me you loved it I love it yeah, yeah like that <clears throat> was something I discovered also that I was like whoa it just like changed my perspective on that sort of stuff a lot because well basically for people who don't know it's just a story about how like um, this like dystopian society where at the age of 16 like everyone gets plastic surgery to sort of look the same which is called like you're a pretty like mm-hmm. you just become a pretty which is like really on the nose but yeah um, and before that you're an ugly so um, the protagonist is this girl who like um, she's just about to get her surgery and she's like super stoked for it because it's like really normal and that's what it's like sort of like a coming of age ritual mm-hmm. in their world um and this other character comes in and is like hey like you don't have to do this like you can come just be an ugly forever and live with us and um she's not thrilled about it (laughs) which I thought was like really interesting because like yeah as much as like when you're a kid you're like oh I just want to like 
be comfortable in my body you're also like but I just want to look like that like I just want to fit in I don't care like I don't want to just accept myself I want to look like the hot girl like you know Mm -hmm. what I mean um so I think I really related to that like her hesitant like she was really hesitant about it I related to that because I was like oh yeah like it's not like I just wanted to look like that like I just wanted to be pretty that's all you know um but besides that like I think they also find out that when they do the plastic surgery, they also alter their minds, which is like the big yeah. turning point where the main character, I think her name is Tally, is like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know about that. <laughs> like, that's kind of sketch. Like, and then that that brings in the whole theme of like, oh, do you really want to lose yourself like as yeah. a person completely just for the sake of being beautiful, which is like this whole yeah. deeper concept that is introduced in the book. Um, I think that's what stood out to me. Yeah. I remember really liking the feeling of um, sort of camaraderie among the uglies and this idea of like like the fact that everybody gets turned into a uniform product at age 16 uh, makes it not matter if you look weird before then. Right. And And there's this weird like crazy body positive society among the younger kids because they don't interact with the pretties at all they're just in dorms hanging out and um and I remember finding that really really stood out to me yeah that's super true too it's just like oh well we're uglies and that's fine we're all ugly together you know like (laughs) it's fine it was like as much as they were like I don't want to be this I want to be pretty it was also like a self-acceptance of like well I'm just the way I am Mm -hmm. for now and like that's how it's gonna be which I think is special also Yeah, yeah um which is the third book in the series, Specials. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which, it gets intense. It gets really intense. I'm pretty sure yeah. Tally eventually becomes special. I haven't read yeah. these in a long time, but um, so it's like weird. She goes from like this ugly to like this really cool, badass, like robo well, chick or something. What's really interesting with Tally is that like um, she wants to become pretty and she does become pretty. Mm-hmm. And then when she starts to sort of unearth things as a pretty... Um, she really gets like taken advantage of by the like powers that be and she gets kind of turned into a weapon and she keeps getting taken advantage of yeah. which is something that you don't see a whole lot with young adult protagonists um, I think that's the thing that that really like surprised me and stood out to me about the series is that Tally like keeps almost doing something heroic and then instead getting used and I mean, until the end of the series when she does finally figure out how to, like, be free completely. Um, but I, I felt like that was... There, there's more power struggle than you usually see. Um, and yeah. More, more, like, push and pull. Definitely. I think it was sort of similar to The Hunger Games in that sense. Mm-hmm. where, Or at least I found that, like, um, it wasn't just, like, a really personal thing. It was, like, a whole societal, like, issue yeah. that these people have to deal with. And, like, I thought that was really interesting because you don't see that in a whole ton of, like, basic YA novels. It's a very, yeah. like, sci-fi sort of YA thing where it's not just, like, your own personal struggles, but also deal with a whole bunch of this shit, yeah. which is, like, sort of Twilight as well, where it's, like, you're trying to figure out your own stuff, but also your boyfriend's a vampire and you're going to have like a vampire fetus and all this stuff is going to happen to you. And this vampire boner is going to work somehow and like all that stuff. But um, yeah, like just having to deal with like larger issues, I think is really special, especially like in today's day and age where like young women, especially like don't have the privilege of just being like 
oh all I care about is like my dolls and (laughs) like whatever it's like no you actually have to deal with like um society's beauty standards and sexism Mm -hmm. and objectification Mm -hmm. and all that stuff I think Mm -hmm. that's really special yeah yeah absolutely topics of high importance a podcast where we get high and explore food science gaming pop culture and beyond filled with super tangents forgetful flubs and that awkward kind of tension that can only be produced by a married couple topics of high importance on the upward network join us won't you Hold hold on, let me let me just blow dry my hair here. Uh, I'm here to tell you about Lasers on the Ride podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcast. It's a mix of comedy, uh, interviews, and the existential drama that only real life can bring. Now I'm gonna go take a shower. Goodbye. Candice, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, Thank you for having me. Really fun conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, where else can I rant about Twilight for, like, 45 minutes? So. <laughs> I mean, you're about to have your own show. You can oh, uh, man. <laughs> yeah, so my gal chat's going to be about Twilight only. That's It's going to be the Twilight show. We're going to have a whole vampire sex ed section. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Um. <laughs> just, okay, for everyone who's just wondering what that weird sound says, is Tepper just, like, Stared off into the distance into like the corner of the room, and I'm like, "What?" She's was, just envisioning we can vampire edit this penis. Or not. No, no. I was deciding whether or not I was going to make a joke about oral sex on your period. Oh but I no! Think maybe we need to not leave that on. And that's a, it's your show. I would leave it on for mine just because like the look you got on your face as you stared away. It was like was it was, really, like, it was a we, moment. What do we cover in vampire sex? Jeez. Oh my god. Anyways, thanks for listening to Yeah, this is a great show. Um Thanks for having me, Tepper. <laughs> thanks for being here, Candace. Um before we wrap up, we are currently running a fundraiser uh on the Upford Network, which is the home of Yeah and also of Gal Chat. Um we are fundraising to build a soundproof recording booth. Um, if you heard the siren that went through in the middle of this episode, you can understand why. <laughs> We're uh so far right on target um so if you've got five or ten bucks that you want to throw at us uh we'll have the link there um there's a lot of really fun perks there are gal chat perks there are yeah perks uh, and we'd really appreciate that thanks for listening to yeah if you want to leave feedback suggest a book for us to read or just say hi send us an email at the at gmail.com Follow us on Twitter at Yeah Podcast and individually at Tepper Bear and at the Balesosaurus and Candace. Do you have Twitter? Yes, you yeah. can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff at Candace Pie. That's Candace with an I and Pie with a Y. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts and by sharing this episode with a friend. You can support us not for free by donating to the Upford Network uh, Indiegogo campaign. 
Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com.